You may be seated. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so thankful for everyone this morning. Take your Bibles, please, and open them up to that passage that Mark read for us in Exodus 35. Do you share your food? Are you a food sharer? I mean, I heard that. I mean, off your own plate. You get what you want on your plate, you sit down, you're ready to enjoy it, and that loved one says, ooh, can I have a bite? My wife is choking. Please, uh, somebody get her some water. Are you, um, are you one that leans into that? Are you like Joey Tribbiani off the old 80s sitcom Friends who says, Joey doesn't share his food, get your own. I mean, you think, you can have a whole piece to yourself, go get a whole piece, and they say, I don't want a whole piece, I just want a bite of yours, yeah. Now, I am the just-a-bite guy, I'm getting there, honey, I promise. I'm the just-a-bite guy in our home, um, because, you know, the joke is, Dad doesn't eat dessert, because I'm so healthy. Um, what it is, is I don't get my own serving, because I wind up getting about a serving and a half with the just-a-bite mentality right I just go after I'll just have a bite of Ashley's and Ashley just does this right she's uh she's gotten it on us she shares though <clears throat> even though she gives me a deserved hard time I am the just a bite guy in our own house I know it's annoying I'm sure it is I probably should stop doing it now that I've confessed that I did it and know it's annoying if we're not careful though this same mentality we can come to God with when it comes to serving and giving to God. We feel like it's our plate, it's our stuff, it's our time, it's our money, and the pastor keeps asking for a bite, or the church keeps asking for a bite. They're trying to take a little bite off of our plates when they show us what the Word of God says and how we're to serve and give with our time, our talents, and our treasures. We're coming to the final messages of Exodus. Um, we've got today and we've got one more message that will kind of bat clean up, if you will, next week as we talk about glorifying God, going forward and glorifying the Lord. Earlier in our series, in the beginning of May, we talked about this principle of God being among us. It was the first sermon preached in the month of May where Moses got the instruction in chapters 25 through 30 on how the tabernacle was going to be built, how it would be constructed, the very specific way that God wanted it done, what he wanted brought, donated, and the skilled workers that would do the work. Here, right in front of our eyes this morning, we're going to see it actually get done. We're going to observe the Israelites doing exactly as the Lord commanded them. Now, since we've already read the instruction in that previous passage, and as exhilarating as meticulous construction instruction is, we shan't be reading that this morning. Go back and read that on your own time or listen to that sermon from earlier in May. I want to give you a few thoughts before we get into four notes to take from the text this morning. Here's a thought. None of the work would have happened without the instruction of the Lord. God had to give specific instruction, even though we've already covered it. Remember, he's the creative genius. He's the intelligent designer behind all creation, and he knows exactly how he wants to be worshipped. 
And in this part of scripture, in this part of human history, it was this way. And he was very specific. He didn't need innovation in worship. He didn't need people to fill around and grope us in the darkness and think, you know what, I really feel, it's my truth, that God would like this. No, he told them exactly what he wanted and how he wanted them to do it. It wouldn't have happened without the instruction of the Lord. It also wouldn't have happened without the provision and protection of the Lord. Remember, God, our Lord, delivered them from bondage. Our Lord spared them and even destroyed their captors. Our Lord provided for them by the hand of the Egyptians, sent them away with goods. He even rained down food from heaven when he needed to. Remember from last week, it's the Old Testament, that first part of the book, that reveals to us that the God of this Bible is the great, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love and steadfastness and loyalty. He's forgiving and he's also a just, righteous God. The work wouldn't have happened without God giving instruction and his provision and protection And it also wouldn't have happened without the obedience of the people. Let's face it, God could have dropped the tabernacle down from heaven, done. But in his grace, he invited the people to be a part of the work. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but you're already there. I see it in your eyes. In God's grace, he invites me and you to be a part of his work today. Of making Jesus famous to the nations and our neighbors. What a good, awesome God. But our text this morning, Mark read that little phrase in there, and it shows up quite a few times in the text. God wasn't just glorified because they obeyed. He was glorified because of the heart of the people that obeyed. If you're taking notes this morning, I'll give you four things to write down. Some of you are giggling because I do have a sub thing or two under one or two of those. But four main things to write down. The first note this morning, by the way, you can follow along with us online in your notes. If that's the way you want to follow along, feel free to do that on the Bible app or our church website as well. Or those of you watching online, you're following along online too. Here's the first note. God's people respond to what they hear. God's people respond to what they hear. And before you say, that sounds like a no-brainer, preacher, um, Darren, Pastor D will give a good nod to that and say that needs to be said. And any of you that have ever taught or instructed any group of people will say, yeah, it's one thing to hear, it's another thing to do. Moses stands and is giving instruction to the people. That's what we heard part of this morning already. He says, whoever is of, and here's the phrase, a generous heart give these things. Whoever is of a generous heart, make these things or do these things. Then the people depart. I'll touch a verse in just a moment. We'll look at verse 20 together. But the people depart. They leave the clear instruction of God's men to see how they might put into practice what it is that they heard. Some of us seated in the pews at the corner of South Boulevard and East Boulevard in the heart of South End Charlotte this morning love to hear the Word of God preached and taught. Some of us do. We are nerds that way. I would wear a shirt. I actually had one that I got from the publishers of our uh, Bible study curriculum that says, I am a gospel project. 
I mean, how much more nerdy do you want your pastor to be? Right? I'm not getting a tat. That's as best as I can do. Some of us love to hear the word of God proclaimed, but there's sometimes a great gulf between hearing and doing. In fact, I want to submit to you this morning, you can actually hear too much. The Bible tells us that. You can become comfortable with gospel preaching and Bible teaching to the point that you can sit and you can listen and you can nod and you can respond with an amen when the pastor says respond with an amen. You can stand when others stand. You can sing when others sing. You can sit when others sit. You can go through all the motions of the assembly. But if your heart has not been touched by the power and the person of the Holy Spirit of God, you are deceiving yourself into thinking all is well with your soul. If you've not yet seen yourself as condemned already without the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've not been convicted, that means shown guilty of your own open rebellion to this compassionate, gracious slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, loyal, forgiving, but just and righteous God, then you are deceiving yourself into thinking all is well with your soul. If you have not yet looked into the Scriptures, the Word of God, and come to see Jesus Christ as more holy than your mind could have conceived on its own, and then realize that you are more sinful than your self-esteem addicted self cared to admit. If you've not yet repented of your sin and cast yourself on the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, then you are deceiving yourself into thinking all is well with your soul. Doesn't matter how many sermons you hear, it's not enough just to hear John 3:16. You might have it painted on your forehead at the Panthers game. It's not enough just to hear the word of God preached or taught. It's not enough enough to give your attention to every single word spoken in your gospel project classes. No, you actually have to respond and be all in. Israel heard the word of God and they did what they heard. But they did what they heard with glad hearts that delighted in God. 27 times in this passage over the course of the scripture unfolding this 27 times the scripture says they did exactly as the Lord commanded them what would happen if in gospel preaching gospel revealing churches all up and down the boulevards this morning in Charlotte North Carolina if the church left the building and did exactly what was instructed them. Wow. Can you imagine? I dare you to try it this week. They heard and responded. Second point this morning. Well, let me give you some New Testament instruction before we get to the second point. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That whole point I made about deceiving yourselves and thinking all is well. Where'd you get that from, preacher? Was that just to get us to do stuff? Actually, the Bible says in James 1.22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Nobody can lie to you better than you. 
and we lie the best on pews sometimes. The second point this morning, generous-hearted people invest their treasures. Generous-hearted people invest their treasures. By the way, this part of the sermon is about money. The deacons have locked the doors. You can't leave. Generous-hearted people, I don't know how, I mean, what do I do, skip it? Invest their treasures. The the teaching here is clear. It says, whoever is of a generous heart, Exodus 35, verses 20 and 21. Let's look at it uh, quickly. Look at, at it in your Bibles or it's on the screen for you. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. They heard all that instruction. And then they came, look at it, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all of its service, and for the holy garments. It's great here. The rest of the verses in 35 unpack for us the various types of all the materials and treasures given for the tabernacle's specific construction and use. Some of the elements certainly seem a bit foreign today. In fact, I dare say that probably very few of you brought to put in the offering box this morning blue and purple and scarlet yarns and goat's hair, please Lord, and tanned rams skins and goat skins the acacia wood maybe we got some construction projects we that looks sounds pretty i don't know um yeah we're good we don't need uh, you know a lot of these things today anointing oil fragrant incense we're good this was specific things for a specific time but there are principles here that we can certainly take from here's some principles the people gave what they had The request was made and the people that had the stuff to give gave it and they gave it with generous hearts. But look, what they had came from the Lord. Where did they get that stuff from? The plunder of Egypt. God had provided. It was a no-brainer for them. They're like, what are we going to do with all this stuff? I mean, we're out in the wilderness. You ever thought about it when they plundered Egypt and they left with all that silver and gold? I mean, for half a second, they're probably like, yeah, silver and gold. And then you're out in the desert and you're like, what are we going to do with silver and gold? And then Aaron says, let's make a cow. Sure, right? That's something. That's the pragmatics in the crowd. We're like, hey, that's a use. God would want us to use it. Be careful. Pragmatism doesn't drive well in the church. What do we do with all this? God had a specific purpose in mind for everything that he had blessed them with. And God has a specific purpose in mind for everything that he has blessed you with. God could have dropped the tabernacle right out of the sky, but in his goodness, he allowed the people to participate in the work. God wasn't just opening a door of need and obligation. He was turning their hearts toward him. Their willingness of heart mentioned over and over in this passage mattered to God, and so does yours. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 that God loves a a cheerful giver. Do you think the Red Cross cares about your heart when you click donate during a crisis? Now, some people there do. You may have friends that work there. Your friend does. I promise they're awesome, right? But they just need you to click donate. (laughs) Do you think politicians care about why you're supporting their cause or their campaign? No. But I want to draw your attention this morning to this posture of glorifying God with our generosity because our hearts have been changed and stirred and turned away from this world and the abundance of stuff and its bondage and turned toward our God and King.
A lot of people give for two reasons. I think people give for need and obligation. I'm not vilifying those, but let's look at it for just a moment. Need. There's a need. People give because good things need to get done. Relief work, alleviating suffering or poverty, sharing the gospel in an unreached city. There's a need. I'm giving because there's a need. They give out of a sense of obligation. People give because they're supposed to give. It's right. It's logical response to how we have been blessed. Those are compelling reasons. Those are good reasons. But we're getting a peek in the Old Testament here as to a better reason to give. Something that pleases God more than just meeting a need or being obedient. It's a heart of joy. Let's be honest. The Lord wants all of us for his glory. Look at verse 29. All of the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it. And they brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. God's people, men, women, leaders, had a heart to be generous with their treasures. What they had, they gave from. Everybody breathe in, breathe out. Next point, okay? Number three, generous-hearted people invest their talent. Generous-hearted people invest their talent. Look with me at the text, if you will, this morning. I, I gave you a few verses there that cover the point. We'll just look at a couple of verses here. In verses one and two, I believe, are the ones I pulled, uh, Brother Mark, from we got a lot of marks here from uh, chapter 36. Bezalel and Ohaliab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any of the work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Ohaliab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to do the work. There was not just a call for supplies, but for the craftsmen also. Notice, if you go back and read the full passage that I gave you, verses 30 through verses 2 there that I gave you, you'll see the, the phrase, they were filled with the Spirit of God. They were filled with skill and intelligence and knowledge and craftsmanships and other gifts. They were able to do all kinds of work. And then there were those in Israel who could only do one kind of work, and they were assigned to that kind of work. Bezalel and Ohaliab oversaw the designs and the construction of every aspect of the tabernacle. But the Bible underscores again that the Spirit of God empowered them for the task. They were blessed with skill and so they turned around with grateful hearts and said, let's do it for the glory of God. Think about all that was required in making the tabernacle. I don't want to belabor the point, but you needed construction workers to do construction. You don't want preachers doing construction trust me <laughs> just trust me how that ends I got a name in there you don't want uh, folks that are good with yarn 
to try to make and do things that are only worked with metal and wood. No, you need cabinet makers and metal workers for the furniture. You need folks that are good with fabrics to do all, and there was a ton of fabric in this thing, all the fabric weaving and all the things that need to be made. It was an opportunity for the artists and the artisans to shine. And I'm going to tell you in 2021, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's still room for artists and artisans to shine and display their gifts for the glory of God. The skilled people that helped had hearts that were turned to the Lord. They turned to God for his work, for his people, and they did it in meaningful ways. They used their gifts to serve the Lord and to serve one another. It's the same for me and you seated right here today in 2021. God has gifted each and every one of us in a special way in the church they're called spiritual gifts. We talked about them this morning in our new members class. It was a great time, and boy, Lucy brought up a great point. If you don't mind, I'll quote from her. I didn't ask for permission. I'll ask for forgiveness later, but it was a great point. She said, sometimes we can get caught up in the fact that we have a gift, and we become prideful in our gift, and then it's not that much use to God in that state, is it? If you're going around bragging about how gifted you are, you're also disqualifying yourself from being useful and anybody else wanting to serve beside of you. Just a word to the wise, right? I'm the humblest person I know, said no one that had any friends. We've all been gifted by God to do certain things, but those gifts are from the Lord. They're not for boasting. They're for spending and investing for the glory of God. Now, if you've been a Christian for about five minutes or five years, I'll bet that you've taken a spiritual gifts test, or 35 of them. Facebook and all the social media things are just awash with personality profiles, and maybe you've got a number. Please don't come tell me your number. Enneagram's the new thing, right? I'm a seven. I like when they say, what number are you? I'm like, um... Of 437. Just to mess with people, right? There's not one. I don't even know. But there's all these self-assessments and awareness tests, and come on. The, the problem with that, let me just say a word about that. I, I don't want to totally diminish all that. There's nothing selfish in and of itself in trying to understand more about how God has made us and wired us. But I want you to be careful. There's a wrong way to go about it. If when we are digging deep to discover our spiritual gifts, we are only focused on ourselves. We're just thinking about us. That's a red flag, right? That should be enough to raise some alarm bells because God is the hero of our story and he's the giver of the gift. We need to remind ourselves that whoever this is about, it's not about me. Romans 12, four through six puts it right in light for us this morning. As in one body, there are many members. The members do not all have the same function. You are not just a collection of thumbs. <laughs> Your body wouldn't work. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Here's the principle. Let us use them. We don't need any more pew potatoes at Grace Covenant. God's not calling you here to sit. 
We want to reach our neighbors and the nations with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and it takes a family in covenant with each other, committed to one another, who will die to self and say, we're going to do this together and we're going to serve one another. While we're not building a building, here are some practical ways and advice that I have for you. A lot of culture would say, well, now don't do anything until you discover your gift. Please don't follow that advice. Now, if you hate being around children, we're not going to put you in charge of kids. Let's just go there. We do want to know a little bit about you. But, but don't wait until you discover your spiritual gift and you've got a line, laser-like item of before you do anything. Here's a word of advice for you. Why don't you serve and ask the Lord to help you to discover your gifts? Show up and show off what you can do. Ask the questions, how can I strengthen and encourage those around me? How can I help others delight in Jesus? How can I help others in their walk with Jesus? When we gather like this, if you see somebody who looks sad or lonely, go speak to them. That's serving. If you see somebody who's always on the edge when we gather as a crowd, they pull themselves back. Maybe don't get all up in their business, you extroverts, but do go and engage them and let them know they're not alone. We're here together. We discover and use our gifts that God has given us as we rush to serve in the church. We're reminded of our gifts as we remind brothers and sisters of the goodness of God. Generous-hearted people glorify God by investing their talents, their treasures, and finally this morning, even though we love one-and-done stuff and instant gratification, it takes time. We have to invest our time. The actual remainder of these chapters, if you pick up there in 36 and read all the way to the last bit of 40, we're not going to read it right now. You're going to find that something out. The tabernacle was not a pop-up thing, right? They didn't just throw all those ingredients into a pile and then turn a crank and it pop up. It wasn't one of those campers that they have now where you, you walk up and you, put, you say, wait just a minute, you push the button and you stand back like this. I think you could stand like that. If you could push a button and your camper totally becomes like livable, you, you've earned the right or spent the money to stand that way, right? That's not how the tabernacle was built. It took time. These people actually had to get the work done. Here's the challenge for us. Sometimes we let perfection rob us of execution. We want to wait until everything's perfect before we do anything. Can I tell you something? Nothing in your life will get done that way. You won't be effective at your job, whatever that is, and you won't be effective at serving the body of Christ if you're waiting on everything to be perfect before you show up. That's not a plan for success. We can't do all we need to do as Grace Covenant Church in two hours on a Sunday. That's not, <laughs> that's not how any of this works. We can't, it's not enough time to prepare. It takes time to prepare for these Bible studies. I'm so grateful for the teachers that prepare and pray and and are ready when you get here. I'm grateful for the buildings that are prepared. It takes time to prepare the buildings for Sunday. Yes, the, the small handful of members that clean the church, and it is, it's a small handful, and there's room at the cross for you uh, to join the list, but I'm grateful that the church is clean when we show up. I'm grateful for the deacons who set the table every week in so many unseen ways for things to work well when we show up on Sundays. I'm our missions partners need to be cared for. That takes time. 
It takes time to pay the bills and to make sure that things are attended to in the right way. It takes time to reach our South End neighbors. It takes time to host and engage our online guests who are engaging with us. I'm grateful for the time that the Lord has given us to serve him together as a family, but I want to take one moment to highlight one thing that you're doing right now. That's not really service, but it is an investment of your time. The time that you spend actively in weekly worship matters. It's so important. I know there are Sunday mornings or Saturday nights that you think to yourself, do we really do this again tomorrow? I mean, does it really matter if we're there? Do you know that a recent study showed that the only group of people who improved in mental health during the pandemic were those who regularly attended church? week after week. Now, church attendance won't solve all of your problems, but it is time well spent and well invested. It's good for your heart, it's good for your mind, and it's good for your soul. Generous-hearted people glorify God by investing their treasures, their talent, and their time. And in the New Testament, we learn the primary place, not the only but the primary expression of that investment is the local church. Let me close and summarize with this thought. Everything that we have comes from God. Everything that you have comes from Him in the first place, and now it's our privilege to use it for His glory. When you bring your offerings, whether you give it in the box on the way out, or whether you give it Uh, online or through your bank, however you take some of your treasures and invest them into the local church, God is allowing us to partner with him and to get involved in what he's doing. Giving is just one way to get involved, but when we give our resources, we bring more glory to God when we give with grateful hearts. Our gratitude shows that our lives have been touched by his grace. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, I mentioned earlier. Look how God ties it to the heart of the New Testament. Each one must give as he has decided in his, say the word, church, heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Each one with that heart that's been transformed by the power of God, that's no longer in bondage to this world and the selfish, greedy ambitions of the world, that knows that our life doesn't consist of the abundance of things, says, I'm going to give in a way that shows a generous heart. When we invest our talent, the Bible says in 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Exodus began with the Israelites in bondage, to Pharaoh, and what were they doing? Building buildings for Pharaoh. Exodus ends with the Israelites building a tabernacle for the Lord. They were slaves to Pharaoh in the first part. Do you know that the word used for slave and worship are the same? It ends with them worshiping the Lord. Our lives too, slaving after this world before Christ and now with joy we serve one another with the gifts the Lord has given us. What about investing our time? Psalm 90 verse 12. Teach us, O Lord, to number our days. Look at this. So that we may get a, say it, heart of wisdom. 
That phrase, heart of wisdom, is the same exact expression of the heart inclination used multiple times that we read from the passage in Exodus. And their hearts were inclined to the Lord. It's astounding, isn't it, that God cares about all this. The God who created and sustains the universe, the one who rules the continents, the planets, the star systems, the galaxies, time and eternity, this God cares about what you do, and beyond that, he actually cares why you do it. Because he cares about you. He loves you. He's jealous for you. And he wants you to have joy. Be generous with what God has entrusted to you. You need to for the sake of your heart. How's your heart this morning? A good indication is your generosity with your money, with your talent, and with your calendar for your church. I'm thankful and humbled to worship with and serve alongside many people who serve that are not only motivated by what they have to offer, but they are motivated by the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, which they've already received. And they know to whom much is given, much is required. Church family, God's not asking for a bite off of your plate this morning. He wants your whole heart. And when he has it, you will be generous. I wonder if you could remain seated for just a moment as the musicians come. I'm going to read one final verse of Scripture. I'm going to give you just a moment to let this sink in. Maybe you need a moment to pray. Maybe you've recognized some tendencies in your life that show more selfishness than selflessness. Let me give you a good antidote. I didn't come up with this, read it this week, didn't get it in the sermon, working it into this moment. You ready? If you find that you're selfish with your money, a cure for that, give sacrificially. It'll cure it. It really will. If you find that you're selfish with how the Lord's blessing, you're kind of proud about that, invest it selflessly into somebody who can't do anything for you in return. And if you find that your calendar is all blocked up and all you ever tell anybody is you're too busy, you're too busy, you're too busy, cancel something and make room for others. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Take a moment and respond to the Word of God. Father, we respond this morning to your word and say, make us selfless. We long to be generous-hearted people. We want to live our lives in such a way that folks know that we belong to you. And your word shows clearly that one of the first traits of that is that generosity.
when the world says to hang on to stuff and accumulate as much as you have and don't take any risks for the sake in the nonprofit world and all of those things, Lord, we push back on that not to be countercultural, but to be yours and say, we want to serve. We want to give. We want to invest our time selflessly for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, which means dying to self and coming alive to the church. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Would you stand with me together and let's sing and worship the Lord with our singing.